Hey everybody, Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star. I am grateful for you listening to the 63rd episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. The goal this week, the goal every week, is to be worth your time. This week we're going to do that with questions about the Chiefs, because football is starting soon, thankfully. Uh, Questions about the Royals, and the bonus segment is part of an interesting conversation I had with Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo on where the team's minor league development is and some changes they made a few years ago uh, that kind of went under the radar but really appear to be taking some traction. Uh, We're going to start the show off kind of probably the only way that we can start off. The biggest news of the week in Kansas City sports. The Houston Chronicle reported that Oklahoma and Texas reached out to the SEC about joining the league. Look, maybe this turns out to be nothing. You know, we've been down this road before. Uh, Nothing is permanent in college sports and hasn't been for many years. And I I hope this turns out to be nothing. You know, Um, you you know what? Like I say that, um, I'm not really sure I hope that. Like, I'm not sure what I want. You know what I mean? Like, because now, like... This far into sorting it out, you know, maybe what the Chronicle actually reported is that Texas and Oklahoma reached out to the SEC about putting the Big 12 out of its own self-inflicted misery. You know, like the, the, the Big 12 has had total implosion coming for years. And in some ways, it's a miracle that the things lasted this long. You know, it's like some old clunker getting passed by newer cars. Uh, you know, the, the Big 12, it's turned into just sort of this soulless conglomerate of schools without better options, you know, and and it's been that way for years. And if Texas and Oklahoma just sort of chuck the deuces, then maybe the other eight will finally give up the charade, you know, and if Texas Tech and Oklahoma State are invited along, you know, they'd be crazy not to go. And I don't know what's best for those leftovers, you know, and, and, and leftovers, like these would not be cold pizza leftovers. You know, these are like soggy leftover French fries. Um, I I don't know what the move would be, you know, um, could they convince Nebraska and Colorado to come back? You know, Arizona and Arizona state are said to be less than thrilled with the PAC 12. Um, are you really going to go down like the, the, the road of Houston, uh, rice. I, it, it, there's just no really good options here. But like, what exactly is the Big 12's leverage? You know what I mean? Like, what do they have to offer? Uh, what do they have to offer an expansion candidate? What do they have to offer Texas and Oklahoma? You know, because look, like the league's guiding philosophy in the last 10 years since realignment pushed them to the brink of death has basically been one, give Texas and Oklahoma whatever they want. And then two, when that's over, ask them, ask Texas and Oklahoma if they want more. And, you know, the, the Big 12, like, structured its rules and, you know, suppressed its own pride, uh, if we're honest, to give Texas and Oklahoma just these, you know, sort of outsized, you know, revenue generating opportunities. Of, it's the country's clearest path to the college football playoff is what Texas and Oklahoma have. No, nobody else is able to outspend all their rivals um, in, in a major league like Texas and Oklahoma are. Um, and so it's the clearest path to the college football playoff and it's still not enough, you know, and (laughs) whatever happens next year, um, or doesn't, uh, will involve like lawyers and TV contracts and hurt feelings, you know, and we all know that even with Texas and Oklahoma, the big 12 has been a vastly underperforming football league and without them, it would be closer to 
irrelevance than any sort of championship contention, you know? So I don't know, man, like the, the big 12's problems are not in a vacuum. You know, the, SEC is super solid. The Big 12 is mostly solid. And kind of everybody else is scrambling, you know. And, you know, this could be crumbs compared to the changes that are on the way. Like the the name, image, and likeness legislation uh, is leading just this massive overhaul. You probably saw Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, is sending signals that the NCAA should just back off from oversight, which is essentially all that the NCAA has done when it's not cashing checks from the work and marketability of athletes that they only recently admitted we're marketable, you know, but that's a whole different story. So what happens now, right? Like, um, that's what everybody's wondering and nobody knows. If you hear somebody say they know they're lying, um, you know, maybe college football and basketball kind of become their own entities, you know, with the, the, the current construct of leagues, you know, just becomes unnecessary. So I don't know, maybe instead of the current conference format, like the top, I don't know, 20, 30, 50, whatever, football programs just develop their own rules, their own schedules, their own format. Um, You could do something similar in basketball, you know, um, and and they break away. They're no longer tied to volleyball and golf and tennis and rowing and all that. I don't, you know, who knows, right? Um, (laughs) I don't know. And the thing I keep coming back to is right now, the really frustrating thing is that for years, the Big 12 hasn't known either, you know, and they let this happen. They did this to themselves, and they deserve whatever's coming. Um, that thing has been mismanaged, and I just – it makes me sad. Um, the the Big Eight – that's how old I am, I guess. But the Big Eight is kind of why I fell in love with college sports. And um, just to see it turn into what it's become now, it's just – it's really sad. Um, but, God, they, they, they get whatever's coming to them. Okay, before we move on to the rest of the show, here's my spiel. Three ass, and you know we're still cool if you only do two or one or even zero, but I got to ask. The first, please help support us. Give the Sports Pass a try. Dollar a month for the first three months or $30 for a year. Just reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever, and, and I'll send you the link. Um, and thank you also. I, I should say that every week. Um, every week I say that, and every week some of you guys reach out. Um, for the link and I really appreciate that support Uh, the second please rate and review the podcast Savannah and I appreciate all the love you've given us already Um, we see you we thank you we see all the five star ratings you've given us already I'm just saying if you haven't already done that if you haven't already given us a rating and review please please do it Uh, really helps us get the word out five stars only Uh, please help Uh, third thing if you want to participate in next week's show, and please participate in next week's show, call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Put the number in your phone. Call anytime, 816-234-4365. Or as the great reader Michael points out, 816-BEG-IDLE. All right, guys, I know I'm asking a lot, but that's how it's going to be. Subscribe to the Sports Pass. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review and call in with questions. Um, Okay, quick break, and then we are back with those questions. Hey, Sam, this is Teddy, originally from Westwood, Kansas, but now in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Wanted to call and ask a question for the podcast. 
or not even a question, more so a thought, you know, with the schedule coming out, the Chiefs schedule coming out, um, I just thought to myself, man, how lucky is it that we have Patrick Mahomes? And um, I, I just wondered if you shared the sentiment. It's truly unbelievable that Kansas City, of all places, got the unicorn, and we have them for 10 more years. Thanks for all your uh, hard work. You make the star uh, what it is. And, um, yeah, see ya. Teddy, my man, thank you. Thanks for the nice words. And to answer your question, every day. <laughs> um, every dang day. Look, like, you, you probably are not going to be surprised um, that I like this sort of, like, occasional inventory about what's good, you know, and and resisting that temptation to kind of take things for granted in sports, in life, all of it. I think this is an important sort of exercise that we can all do. There's a column that should be on the website by the time you hear this. Uh, it's about the Chiefs as they are opening training camp right now. And I know that around here we sort of like to be – you know, like the, the, the Frank Caliendo imitation of Andy Reid, you know, where he sees the schedule and just sort of shrugs and, you know, like starts waving around his Mahomes jersey. But I think it's worth remembering that things don't always go the way we expect, you know. And actually, um, I say that and I'm reminded of this conversation with an NFL, NFL guy that I had a month or so back. And I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was basically saying, like, look, fans have their expectations about how things are going to go. And then you guys, and he's talking about like reporters here, but he's like, you know, you guys have your own expectations that you feel like are a little better, or, you know, whatever, because you have, you know, more information and more time to think about it. Um, you know, and then we, and here he's talking about like scouts and executive, like football people, right? Coaches, all that. And he's like, you know, we have our own expectations that we feel like are a little more informed than those because we have access to stuff that other people just don't. Um, you know, but the truth is that none of us know, <laughs> you know, none of us know, um, uh, none of us has ever been through an NFL season that went exactly the way we expected, you know, and you know, the chiefs, the last few years are a really good example of that, you know, and let's just do the last three, right? Like the Mahomes season seasons. And, um, I'm telling you, this is not speculation. Um, this is not what I think the people, you know, in and around the chiefs were thinking this is directly from those people. Nobody, not Brett Veach, the, who, who is the biggest Patrick Mahomes guy, you know, this side of, you know, Brittany, right? Uh, but nobody expected Patrick Mahomes to be that good that quickly. You know, they thought there'd be moments right away in 2018, stuff like, you know, that touchdown pass against the 49ers. Uh, but they also thought they'd lose some games 28 to 20 or whatever, you know, because the quarterback threw four interceptions. Um, as it turned out, the Chiefs fielded the only defense in the league that year capable of stopping Patrick Mahomes. Then, 2019, and it's easy to see the defense coming together now, you know, hindsight, but those were a lot of moving parts, like from a lot of different places, and nobody knew how quickly or how well that thing would come together. And then, you know, Mahomes' injury in Denver, you know, and the, the way his knee went, that thing was literally less than an inch away from being a season ender. Um, then he comes back and has a jump pass in Nashville. And, you know, then they get the break with the Dolphins beating the Patriots. So they get the extra week. We saw what that did to 
you know, strength and agility and everything for guys like Mahomes and Frank Clark. And then, you know, all the craziness in the Super Bowl. I mean, like, look, like, I believe the Chiefs were the best team in the league that year. That's what I believe. I believe they were the best team in the league that year. But you play that thing like 10 times, and I'm not sure the Chiefs win it more than like four. You know what I mean? And then last year, again, I believe they were the best team in the league. And they're rolling. They're 14-1, and one, you know, with the varsity. And, and then the offensive line just can't stay healthy. And, I mean, like, it was almost comical, you know? And, and the Bucks were just brilliant and exploited. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. They earned that win. But I don't know that anyone can say that the Chiefs would have won that game fully healthy um, because, you know, I do think, look, like the tragedy caused by Britt Reed shook those guys in a real way. So I don't know. Like, look, we, we can sit here and say the Chiefs will be this or that, that Mahomes will still be, like, on another planet and Travis Kelsey will be the same and Tyreek Hill and the offensive line will be the one, one of the best in the league and, you know, Chris Jones will be sort of a, a B version of Aaron Donald and whatever else. But the, the truth is we just don't know, you know? Nobody knows, and the margins are still thin. Uh, you know, so it's up to a group of guys who, who've already accomplished a lot together to continue working as if they haven't accomplished anything. You know, and, and that kind of goes against human nature. But anyway, all, all this stuff is a lot more to think about when Mahomes is the quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Ted, like, you, you are right about that. And um, I'll just leave you with this, like in, in the spirit of what I'm talking about here. Um, Part of the Mahomes stuff is knowing that he's tied to the club forever, you know, or the NFL version of forever. And he plays a position where guys age well and all that stuff. But look, we don't know how many more seasons we'll have to watch where he's at his peak and throwing to, you know, peak Tyreek Hill and peak Travis Kelsey. So don't take this stuff for granted, you guys. Like this is, there is, I've said this before, but there's just never been a better time to be a Chiefs fan. So, okay, we're getting into football, so let's do this one from Adam. Hi, Sam. Uh, my name's Adam out in Lenexa, Kansas. Um, I just had a like a practical general football question for you. I've asked a lot of people, mostly like fans and friends, and I can't get a straight answer. So you're the smartest football guy I could reach and probably one of the smartest, you know, in the world. So here we go. I'm going to paint you a picture. Let's say it's fourth down and less than five yards, okay? Happens quite a few games, and the Chiefs, for example, are in, like, the middle-ish part of the field, like, between the 40s. Why wouldn't a team always line up when it's fourth and less than five? Because the other team might jump. Something crazy might happen. The worst-case scenario for the offense is you take a five-yard delay of game or you get a five-yard false start. The punter doesn't care about losing five yards because, keep in mind, you're in, like, the middle-ish chunk of the field. You're not, like, backed up to your goal line. Why wouldn't every team do that every single time? There's literally nothing to lose. I, I, I don't, I can't, I, I've thought about it. I've sat and thought about it because I have no life, and I cannot find an answer. There's, I, I cannot find a reason why a team wouldn't just say, what the hell, let's line up. We might get them to jump and get a first down. It can change a few games. If you can, if you can paint me a picture, maybe I'm missing something, but... You know, I, I can't I can't figure it out for the life of me, which is not saying a lot, but hopefully you can. Thank you, sir. Hope to hear from you. Bye bye. Well, look, first, I appreciate you burning all credibility by calling me the smartest guy in the world. Um, well worth it on my end, at least. And, and I'm not totally joking when I say this, that if it's fourth and less than five and you're in the middle of the field, just don't punt. Just always go for it. 
and especially always go for it if you're the Chiefs. But other than that, I like I think that's a fine strategy, you know. Um, but more than getting a team to jump off sides, I feel like the benefit might be to actually snap the ball and catch the other side sort of napping, you know. Like coaches talk all the time about like what's on tape, right? And if you put it on tape that you're just sort of you know hanging out, going through this charade and taking the five yards to punt, well, look, pick the right moment and go against what's on tape. Snap it, have a play you believe in, and see if you can get some points instead of a punt. So I love stuff like this. Think outside the box. Like the, I, I think football especially needs to do this a lot more. Um, so I love it. Like, Give me more ideas like that. And here's something I don't love, guys. Hi, this is Randy from Hayes, Kansas. In an earnings call last week, Sinclair slash Valley Sports said they would have a direct-to-consumer app for cord cutters starting early next year. This would not replace cable subscribers, but add an ability for more fans to watch the Royals and Sporting KC. When asked, they would not comment about a deal being able to be reached with streaming options sometime during the baseball season. Sinclair did say they have an agreement with teams to add this, but no details yet on subscription costs or how many games would be available. My question is, do you think most cord cutter fans will return in 2022 after left out this year? Thanks. You know what I think could be a good idea? Like, what if you get the Bally's app for free with the purchase of four tickets? Right? Would that work? Like, I, look, I, I'm sure that there are some unintended consequences here, you know, the chance for people to abuse it, whatever. But there has to be a way for the Royals to track this stuff. And then Bally's is made whole with a portion of those ticket sales. Like, everybody wins, right? Like, Bally's gets more revenue and wider distribution. Uh, the Royals get more people in the stands. And fans get some value. Again, there's there's probably things I'm not thinking about here. And I am decidedly not a lawyer and don't know what all is in the contract, but it feels like there could be something here. Um, you know, otherwise, I mean, yeah, like, I don't know where that $23 a month number comes from. Like, I haven't heard that, but that that is a lot. And, you know, I mean, that's more than Netflix, right? Um, but anyway, like, if the idea of giving away the app with ticket sales doesn't work, then MLB could just do the right thing. Do the thing that you should have done a long time ago and just unlock this awesome, and I'm telling you guys, it is freaking awesome. The MLB.tv service is really good. And just unlock that so that people can watch their favorite teams no matter where they are and without buying a VPN or going to like shady websites or whatever. Make Bally's and whoever else whole with that revenue. It just ah, drives me crazy. And, you know, th this should have been, you know, a conversation that we were having like five years ago. And, and even then the solution should have been clear. So, look, like baseball is awesome. Like baseball is great. And, and baseball just needs to stop making it so hard on itself with stuff like this. God, okay, uh, one more break, and then we are back with J.J. Bacola.
Okay, so I talked with JJ Piccola this week and it was interesting enough that I wanted to share some of it with you. You guys know JJ. Uh, he's basically been, you know, Dayton's deputy since 2006 and he's current title, vice president and assistant general manager for player personnel. Basically, he's in charge of the minor leagues. Um, so, you know, player development and also is in on, you know, player acquisitions and, and everything else. And this is a good week to talk with JJ, um, you know, the Royals promoting Bobby Witt Jr. and Nick Prado uh, to AAA Omaha. We, we talked some about that. But I thought the most interesting stuff was how the Royals look at things from sort of a 30,000 foot view, you know, and, and I'm thinking here now about how they took a lot of heat from fans for going under slot with the seventh overall pick. The strategy there, basically like spread your bets a little bit, you know, um, go over slot on picks later in the draft. And they did that. And look, like what matters is whether they end up better off than if they just taken Kumar Rock or Khalil Watson or, or whatever and, and gone over slot to do it and then had to pay for it on the back end. But um, I, I just thought the strategy behind it was interesting. And, and it's actually what I think is even more interesting. And I didn't really think about this until I talked with JJ, but that strategy is actually tied to the success that guys like Witt Jr., Prado, MJ Melendez, a few others are, are having in the minor leagues. But anyway, here's JJ breaking that down. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about how do we sustain success, you know, and, and the timing of when your prospects are ready. I mean, really ready to play in the major leagues plays into that. And of course, it's very, it's very unpredictable. You know, it's you just go with your instincts and you know what your scouts say. Um, but with you, know, you got Singer and Bubich already up there. You know, Lynch and Kowar have had a taste of it. Isbell's had a taste of it. You know, Bobby and, and Nick are in AAA now. Uh, MJ Melendez is having a great year in AA. I mean, you, you look at where our top guys are, you know, all of our, you know, high end talent is really at the upper ends of the minor leagues. So, yeah. you know, we feel good about that. That's, that's gotta be our core moving forward. So, yeah. you know, they start coming in, they break into the major leagues at the same time. You're going to lose a lot of guys at the same time. Yeah. So having guys behind them to replace them um, is going to be really important when when you really talk about sustaining success. So look, like we all get it, right? Like the the Royals are in last place, and that's what's real. And you know, even with the injuries, there's there's no excuse. Um, they should be a lot better than this. Not, I don't think playoffs good, but you know, even without Mondesi, this should not be a last place team. So like when when a baseball team is going like this, you just you can't criticize them enough. You know what I mean? And, and I've done my fair share of pointing out some flaws and mistakes, or at least what I think of as some flaws and mistakes. But I also think it's interesting what's happening in the minor leagues. And you can look at this a few ways. Like big picture, uh, the high A team has the best record in, the, in, in its league. The double the A team is three games back. And the triple A team is in first place. Um, they also have like some real movers, you know, guys who are having like strong individual seasons. Um, you know, Witt and Prado are the ones we talked the most about, deservedly so. But there's also guys like Melendez and Mike Massey and Vinny Pascantino and, and and some others as well who are really coming on fast. And uh, to me, like Melendez and Prado are especially interesting because those guys were atrocious in 2019 to the point that y you had to wonder if they were ever going to make it, you know, and, and now they're both raking to the point that you're starting to wonder like when they'll be in the big leagues and not like when they'll be in the big leagues, you know what I mean? And not if, and it's, it's, it, it's just, it's a wild transformation and it's not just them you know, you probably saw the stat where the Royals hitters, minor league hitters have had the biggest jump in slugging percentage from 2019 to now. 
And, you know, they're also among the biggest jump in walk rates. And they're the only organization in baseball to decrease their, their strikeout rate. Uh, pitchers are also jumping their strikeouts, one of the biggest jumps in the league. You know, it's an organizational thing. And I haven't heard Dayton or J.J. talk about that too much. So, you know, I just I asked J.J., and here's what he said. This, this clip is a little bit longer than what we usually play, three, four minutes. But I, I just thought it was really interesting. And, and J.J. is open here, so um, here it is. Well, from a hitting perspective, it was – I, I want to say this the right way. It was identifying what we – where we thought we were not only as a team, but where we were with the industry and what we were valuing. And then it was identifying the people that not only had the knowledge, but had really good communication skills. Um, Alex Zumwalt's our director of hitting. Yeah. He's tremendous with players. He's tremendous with people, but kids gravitate to him. Mm-hmm. Um, we hired Drew Saylor uh, as our hitting coordinator uh, Drew is a little bit more of the tactician as far as body movements, understanding data, um, implementing plans. Um, then we hired Keone Duren, uh, who, who's sort of a combination of Alex or Alec, <laughs> Alec and Drew. And then we had Mike Tozar, um, who's sort of the, the sage and staying. He's, you know, the guy that's got the most years of experience as a hitting coach. He's done really good things with hitters throughout the game. Uh, in the off season, he has a lot of players come work with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, we put a hitting team together that all represented different levels of expertise and different areas of expertise. And I think what we have is a, a staff full of, at least the, at the top of our staff, uh, guys who can connect with any type of player whether it's a Latin American player, an American player, a guy who's really into data, a guy who's a little bit more of a field guy, we're equipped to handle whatever player it is. Um, and then I, you know, I don't want to take away from anything our hitting coaches that are on the ground every day with these guys, what they're doing. You know, they've followed the plan and they're supporting them. Uh, but what, what I think is happening organ- organizationally is there's a few, you know, a few key guys that we're talking about that has sort of adapted this new approach to hitting. And when you see your best players doing that and then having success, the guys are sort of on the fence. You're going to swing yeah. them. Well, I better do this. And then it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it gets contagious. You know, guys yeah. start taking pride in what we're doing. You know, we t- we're taking pride in, in walks, you know, we're taking pride in a slugging percentage being good. Um, you know, but we still, that, that's, that's been the change. I think the leadership change um, and the way we're going about things is just different than it's been in the past. Um, you know, the players have the talent. I mean, we're only going to be as good as our players, but we realized in 2019 our best players weren't having the success they should. Um, yeah. So we needed to make an adjustment, and we did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's and, – and then with pitching, you know, very similar process – we took Paul Gibson, who was our national cross-checker, who had done a little bit in development, made him the director of pitching because he's the one that had the relationships with the guys who came through the draft in, in 2018 and, and earlier, uh, 2019 as well. And he knew these kids since they were either signed out of high school or were in high school and went to college. So he had the history. He's got the knowledge. He's got a great deal of respect um, for technology and where the game's going and how to use data. 
Um, Jason Simon Tachi is the pitching coordinator. Um, he's very in tune with, with how kids want to learn today. Um, Mitch Stetter, uh, I'd, I'd have to look up Mitch's title, but it's like director of pitching strategy or something, you know, <laughs> but he's, he's, he's our guy with edutronic cameras, truck man data, Hawkeye data. Um, he's excellent with it. You know, we're a lot of the pitch design and, you know, overlaying pitches and how they're tracking to the zone. You know, he's been assigned that specific task. Um, so, you know, it's very similar, you know, and they all have different personalities as well. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just, it's a good line. And we, you know, we have Jeff Supon as well, who's really kind of a, you know, he's like a roving coach, but Jeff represents a little bit on the mental side of pitching and pitch planning, uh, knowing your stuff. Um, he's got a really good way with players as well. So it's just a balanced staff that, that represents a little bit of everything. So part of why I find this so interesting is that these guys have been together forever. Dayton, JJ, Scott Sharp, Renee Francisco, like those are the first four names on the Royals website, you know, listing the, the baseball executives. And they've all been together since 2006. Um, that is a crazy long time in professional sports. And, you know, you tend to develop certain routines and a way to think about things and a way to do things. And you have to believe in all that, right? Um, but here, they looked around, saw their stuff wasn't working, and decided to redo it all. And look, if, if your response to that, and he, he, this is the, the last place, you know, negativity coming in, right? But if your response to that is like, well, great, but they should have done it sooner, you know what? Maybe you're right, you know? And, and um, you know, I think more credibly or whatever, like a half a season or so of minor league success certainly does not cover for being in last place or close to it the last four seasons, right? But I respect self-evaluation. I respect like the humility to see that you need to change. And football coaches talk about this all the time, right? Like self-scout, go against tendency, um, see where your weaknesses are and, and build them up. And that's basically what the Royals have done. And it shouldn't be lost that Bobby Witt Jr. and Nick Lofton two years ago, Asa Lacey last year, Frank Mazzucato and others this year, over and over and over, you hear these guys saying like, what a great fit they feel like the Royals are and how excited they are to join like that specific organization. And look, I'm not naive. I'm not an idiot. I know those are just words. I know that these kids would be thrilled no matter where they got drafted. But I just, I don't remember hearing that same level of like specific desire in, in some past years. So Anyway, um, last clip I'll play from JJ is me basically just saying that, right? Like the, these are major changes from guys who've been together forever and largely done it a certain way. And you just don't see a lot of front offices take it down to the studs like this. Um, so, okay, here, here's, here's how JJ put it. And, and you know what, Sim, it's, it's not easy because you're, you're the way yeah. you've been brought up in the game is the way you're brought up in the game. But the other thing, the benefit we have you know, you know, Dayton's got a son that's an elite college player. I mean, he's around every today's player a lot. So uh -huh. he's hearing at the dinner table. I've got two kids playing in college. Uh -huh. Scott Sharp's got a boy that's a, a teenager playing. You know, so it's not just, you know, what we're seeing in the industry. It's also hitting close to home. And you got to recognize, that's you, know, I, you know, when I try to talk to my kids about how I play, they don't want to hear it. You know, <laughs> they, yeah. they could care less, you know, yeah. but... But hearing what they have to say about technologies they're familiar with, um, and with, you know, there are teams that have had a lot of success that, you know, were earlier early adapters. You know, I, uh -huh. I think there is a little bit of a misconception that we're a late adapter. I think we just 
we just didn't talk a lot about it. <laughs> you know, it, you know, yeah. from a track man standpoint, data standpoint, um, we were, we were the first team to have track mans at every one of our clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, we were the first one. I think where we've grown there is we have a support staff that can, can, we can react and come up with plans quicker than we did six and seven years ago. Our analytic department is, I think, very deep and very talented and versatile. So they're picking up on things quicker so we can adapt quicker. And when Alec is open-minded and when Paul is open-minded, we're not waiting two or three years to make a change. We're making a change, you know, on the fly. So anyway, look, like one more time, team is in last place, uh, should be better. And if you have no time for hope or optimism or anything positive, you know, I, I get it. But we've also gone over that stuff. You know, we've talked a lot about it. And this is something that I haven't heard talked about as much. And I know it can seem like it's the same stuff over and over again, you know, that the Royals aren't trying anything different, you know. So uh, I thought it was worth it here to see a little bit of how they are doing some things different. So anyway, hope you enjoyed it. Um, All right, guys, that's the show this week. Hope you thought it was worth your time. Um, I also want to say this again. We're going to mix up this bonus section a little at times. There's going to be sports stuff in here, but I also want to include some people, just cool, interesting people doing cool, interesting things around Kansas City. If you have somebody that you think of that fits that description and that, that, that you want to hear from them, sports or otherwise, please let me know. Um, I want to hit some different things when we can. So, okay, I appreciate all of you for listening. Hope we're worth your time. One more time, please reach out to me if you can help support us with the Sports Pass and please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Thanks to everybody who called in, even those we couldn't get to. Thanks to JJ for his time, Savannah Smith for putting this together. And as always, the biggest thanks to you for giving us your time and letting us be a small part of your life. I'm going to spend a lot of time with my family in the car <laughs> the next two weeks. So uh, the next time that, that, that we'll have a show will be the week before the Chiefs preseason game against the 49ers. And we will roll on through that through the football season because football is here, you guys. Okay, have a great weekend. Be kind.